Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MonsterCast. I'm your host, Jack Dahl Jr., joined by my co-host, Ryan Dahl. I've got a great show for you today. It's Horror Show Day, and it probably will be one tonight. Uh, but first, the Horror Show has come back for NXT because their 22-week <laughs> reign over AEW was going to have to wait till another time because... Uh, I think, what, in a two or three? Three? Three weeks this time? Anyway, it's over, and it got shattered. Uh, so that's what happens when you don't put a little tagline for no reason up there just to go against somebody else. But uh, this doesn't shock me at all, considering the fact that AEW had their world title match. Um, although they did an impromptu fucking Keith Lee versus Dijakovic 18 on NXT. And I don't know why they thought that was going to do anything against NXT, but, uh, I mean, against AEW. But, uh, we finally got the Moxley Cage match, of course. And AEW goes up 31 to 8 to 1 as they slaughter the numbers in both overall and the demo. AEW, 788,000 overall. NXT, 631,000. Brutal compared to recent weeks. Uh, big drop off for, uh, NXT. While AEW also got an increase from last week. Um, random thoughts on Fight for the Fallen? Uh, it was a good show. I don't... Um, we've talked a lot about the, the Moxley Cage stuff and how they could build out from that either way. Um, I, I like the idea of... The way that they ended it was okay. Like, if you have to have Cage lose, I think that's the way. You put him in a situation where he literally couldn't get out of it, but he's not the one who decided to give up or in the match or whatever. You you have it look like Taz is out there to protect his investment. Um, and, like, you know, it's not going to... It's not going to hurt Brian Cage's stock as much because you can always just put it, like... Look, Brian Cage is a fucking monster. He's not a wrestler, so when he gets stuck in holds like that, that he's already too worn down to power out of, like sometimes he's just trapped. It makes him, it makes him less boring than like a Braun Strowman when Braun Strowman was doing his "Oh, I can beat ten people at once" stupid fucking run, um, because it does show that he it, it gives his matches more suspense in the sense that he's clearly beatable, but it doesn't stop him from being a goddamn wrecking machine or being able to beat anybody that he actually does come up against. Like, you could put him in a match against Moxley again in a month, and there would still be questions about whether or not Moxley would win. And I think that's a good way to book him. Um, I I like the Darby Allen return. I, I think it's pretty clear that they're going to feed Allen to Cage to build up Cage's stock again, which is fine. Um because Darby can get a couple wins in on that in like a if they're doing like a long program, he can get a couple like sneak wins, roll up whatever. But Brian Cage by the end of it just fucking squashes him, and not like a literal squash match, but you know what I mean. But like like an Archer match, yeah, like an like, Archer Janela type deal. You can give you can give Darby the hope spots. You can even have them have multiple matches over the course of a few months where Darby maybe even picks up a win here and there, but. By the end of this program, it should be Cage clearly on top and having fucking destroyed him. And then they both move on. I wouldn't even mind if it was like a, not even so much Archer Janela, but uh, old school if people remember. How about a Bam Bam Bigelow Spike Dudley type deal? 
where mm. Spike is fucking him up and has a chance, and you you give him a legitimate chance, like in a no holds barred match or a hardcore match or whatever you want to call it. But then eventually Cage shuts his ass down after the like you said the hope spots and then just basically destroys him with like three or four moves in a row and just fucking basically murders him. I mean we already know Darby's down for fucking anything, so short of death. So it could be interesting and could definitely build Cage back up in no time. But yeah, mm-hmm. so they kind of backed themselves into a corner. So really, that was really the only way out was the towel thing. Because even if you make him pass out, it makes him look weak. Yeah. Because it's not like a... Because Cage, like Cage and Lesnar and people like that, I get it when it's the baby face and they're fighting the good fight and they pass out and they never gave up. But you don't do that with a monster heel. Doesn't right. doesn't make sense with a monster heel. So He yeah. just has to be too too stubborn and strong for his own good. Yeah. So you protected um, so you protected Cage in the process, kept the belt on Moxley, brought in Darby Allen to continue the feud with Cage from their fucking casino ladder match. I think it worked on all levels, honestly, especially where they go with it because we saw that Cage is now having second thoughts and gonna think about whether he wants to let Taz go or if he wants to keep him as his manager. We know he's gonna keep him, but I think that is a nice little twist to you have Cage who's this big fucking muscular meathead, but he's also Smart enough to realize that, hey, I need to think about what the fuck just happened to see if it's better for my career or not. So it's not just, oh, big dumb heel or big dumb face uh, mm. type deal and gives it another layer. But then again, that's what we always talk about. It's one of the slight criticisms to AEW by only having a one, two-hour show, which is fine with me because it's easily digestible. But if you're not paying attention to their Twitters and their BTE and all that other stuff, then you could get lost in the story, which is clearly there. Yeah. 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 Uh... And that's the thing, too, though, like, there's no other form of entertainment I can think of where, because even if you think about, like, comic books and stuff, you don't, the the universes aren't necessarily entwined in the same way when it comes through in a a different medium. So you don't have to pay attention to the movies to understand the comics or anything like that. Hell, even in the the comics, when you have, like, a big crossover event or whatever, like, okay, so, like, when Batman has... Uh, like a six-part event, but it also bleeds over into like a Catwoman comic book or a, a Robin comic book. Even if, even if you don't read those outside and just read that main story, you're still not really missing right. main parts like you would be in wrestling because uh, it'll have like you know in a comic book we'll have the asterisks and at the bottom it says read whatever to understand that reference. But you're just understanding right. a reference. You're not understanding the entire story. You're not missing a part of the entire story. Or a layer of the story, you're just missing a reference to the story. So that was, it's not really that, a crossover. That was really most noticeable with the the elite breakdown with Hangman and and Omega and all that stuff. Yeah. I had, well, most they, of that played out was, on BTE. It was such a good like layered story that was told over a, like a good amount of time. But if you were just watching Dynamite, it was kind of hard. Kind of make to them, understand make, a lot of the motivations, just it just like, made them look like they were squabbling. Yeah, even if even even so, like if you're watching BTE and AEW, then you understand that Page is the face. But if you're not, mm-hmm. and you're just watching AEW, AEW Dynamite, Hangman's a, dick. Hangman's a dick. Yeah, it makes Hangman look like the heel. And I think most AEW fans understood that Page was the face because he was getting cheered out the fucking like blowing the roof off with his pops when he came out. So most AEW fans watch it, but like, yeah, like you said, the Twitter casuals that aren't going out of their way to watch that kind of stuff, obviously they're not going to understand what's going on in these stories from uh, all aspects. It's kind of like me with New Japan. Like you understand mm. going back to all these little wrinkles in the stories and how long-term storytelling they the do. The shit, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, I pay attention casually, so I don't understand. Like the question I asked last week about 
uh, I think it was uh, the okay, about the Tanahashi and Ibushi losing the titles. Right. But then you made you pointed out like three instances where it made sense for them to win it. Now I still don't buy it <laughs> that they should have won the that the, the titles from them. But yeah. it made it make a little bit more sense. And you did something else when we were texting back and forth that made the evil Hiromo thing make more sense, too, when I said he was going nuts and it didn't make any sense at the end. And you kind of broke it down, and I was like, eh, yeah, that makes way more sense. But I'm still leaning towards kind of my thing, <laughs> but just not as much as I was before. Or not nearly as much yeah. for the Hiromo thing. Um, but yeah, so, There's yeah. a lot of contextual nuance in, in New Japan because of their... It's really based on their system. And, like, Gato is constantly doing the thing that we want WWE to do, which is making continuity a straight, like a like a singular, unbroken line. Like, there's nothing that happens there that just doesn't make sense because two years ago they were doing this instead. Like, it's one continually shifting story, but it never – you don't have shit like – like in WWE right now, you have Lacey Evans basically flip-flopping back and forth between being a heel and, and a face and all, the, all her shit with Natalia or whatever. Like there's no real callback. It's just they change it based on what they need for that month. It's really weird. Like trying to keep that up as a consistent – if you tried to explain that to somebody as a consistent narrative, like if you wrote a book and that was one of your characters, that book would make no fucking sense. That character would be completely unlikable. You would have no idea what the fuck's going on with her. Yeah. Um, you don't get that in New Japan. New Japan, the interactions between characters, between stables, their history, their matches together, um, how many matches they've had against each other, how those matches played out, that's all something that he does a really good job weaving into storylines and continuity. Like you even saw, I know you don't, I know you're not a big Sonata guy, but with Sonata at the G1. The big story was Sonata's never beaten Okada, and that goes back years. And it's something that they, like, played up, and it was part of the story of their match was just, like, he kept trying and kept trying, and just it just seemed like he couldn't fucking overcome this guy who's always had his number. Um, or, you know, with, like, the, the evil Hiromu stuff, that's another place where, you know, they're calling back to, like, real old stuff, like evil and Hiromu being super close and, like... Even when uh, when Hiromu was out, like Evil used to carry Hiromu's jacket the whole time that he was out injured, so that people just wouldn't forget about him. Like this, it's a it's a lot better written for sure than than the WWE stuff. And you get the sense that AEW kind of has that same mentality. Like we want stuff to make sense long term. We want callbacks that make sense. I don't think they're doing it to the same extent. But you also have to understand they've only got a year of history, really. Yeah. So unless they're calling back to Bullet Club stuff, which I don't think they should do as much because, again, relying on an external knowledge set for your own product is kind of weird. Do you not um, think that's where they're going to go with Omega, going back to the cleaner, though? They are, but I think that I think that's one thing where going back to an – because it's not even really a gimmick. It's more like just a fucking a mentality shift. Um I think that's something that they can do within the confines of AEW and make refer like kind of like the comic book thing. They can put like a little fucking asterisk here and there on commentary, like, "Oh, this this is reminiscent of when he was when he won his first G1 and whatever the fuck," you know? Like, I, I think that'd be a cool way to do that. But how I want this to end, like the what they're clearly doing with him kind of reverting slowly to the cleaner, is 
it fucks up the tag team eventually at some point. Um, they play that storyline out however they want to play it out. It doesn't really matter. But then they have Kenny keep that same um, character, and he just goes on, like, this crazy heel tear, fucking everything up. But it's, like, slowly fucking him up and, like, breaking him down, and then maybe he starts losing a couple here and there and, like, flipping out, whatever. And then they bring in Kota Ibushi, who historically, and this is, again, one of those long-term New Japan fucking booking things, historically has always been the one to kind of calm him down and, like, bring him back down to not being a fucking dick. And they have whatever little program they're able to have, but uh, I think that the way that Kota's New Japan contract is right now, I don't think they'd be able to do it. I don't think he's allowed to work um, other promotions, even if they are overseas. Um because I know, like, obviously Jericho and Moxley have their own specific deals or whatever, but I don't think Ibushi's got that. I think Ibushi's exclusive. I think, but that's why I, I want to see it. Well, I think the way they're going is they're going to make Kenny really be the only option they have to be able to take this title off of Moxley. Is the way it seems to me. But it's got to be. Yeah. It's going to have to be heel Kenny, obviously. Yes. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't really make. Sense. Yeah. Because. Yeah, I mean, you can do the face versus face, but face versus face title changes always feel weird. Well, they already had a face um, versus face encounter, though. Yeah. Right. Well, as much as Moxley is a face, but yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Crowd um, favorite, how about that? Or yeah. fan favorite instead of face, obviously, yeah. Right. And I think that's a, I think that's a good path for that. You know, I, I don't know how the fuck this keeps happening, but for some reason on my YouTube autoplay, Jim Cornette videos keep coming up, and I swear to God, man, I'm so tired of listening to this, man. Like, sometimes I'm just too lazy to turn it off, so I'll leave it on, but he was talking about, um... He was talking about Fight for the Fallen, and he was bitching about the Jurassic Express versus Kenny Omega match. Obviously, he's going to bitch because Marco Stun is little. Like, that's his whole fucking problem. Marco Stun is little, and I don't like Kenny Omega. So, of course, when they're working together, he's got all these problems with it. Like, oh, you're going to sell for a fucking man who looks in there like a literal child. Like, he's so goddamn annoying. But... One thing that really stuck out to me was Jim Cornette doesn't understand the story of that match. And I think other people might have missed it, too. Despite how obvious it was, somehow people are still missing it. The story of that match is literally Kenny goes in. He's with his best friends. Like, they're very confident they're going to win this match. He doesn't even bother taking off his shirt. He's just in there. Like, Jericho was a little too on the nose with it. He shouldn't have called it out specifically. But he did. Even on commentary, he's like, yeah, I know I know him. When he doesn't take off his shirt, it's because he's not taking it seriously. Like... I appreciated that for the dumb fans, but it would have been nicer to not call it out directly. Yeah. Because, and AEW does yeah. that a lot. Like, Tony Khan is in their ear kind of making sure that they point out stuff because he's scared that people won't get it and then he gets too right. much backlash. And I feel like that's a lot done, done a lot with JR because I, like, I feel like JR and Tony give a lot of shit away, and I think it's because of uh, Cody and Tony Khan talking in their ear, making sure that they get over – uh, parts that they want them the, to understand. The little nuance. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's yeah. really there for, like, fan service, yeah. but then when you point it out, it's not really fan service anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like it's like having an Easter egg and then fucking circling it on screen. Yeah, basically. Like, yeah, that's man. what that's what it feels like, especially JR. I feel like I've, I've heard him give away stuff a lot. Um, and it's not a knock on him because, you know, he doesn't know that stuff yeah. until someone says exactly. it. But I feel too like specific. somebody's telling yeah. him... I feel like somebody's telling him, like, hey, like, try to find a way to bring, bring it up, that up. And then he just says but it. But then he, the way he does it is <laughs> just with a sledgehammer. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Um, 
But yeah, so the story of that match is obviously he's in there with his best friends. He's worked with these guys forever. Like he's very confident he's going to be able to take on this team of two smaller guys and and one like dangerous guy. Is how he's really looking at the match. He goes in there. He's against Marco, not taking it seriously. Marco's faster than him or smaller than him, so he's like slippery, hard to get a hold of. He gets a few offensive moves. Kenny starts taking it seriously. And then, of course, at that point, Marco tags out, whatever. So they don't really interact that much for the rest of the match, but Kenny's clearly fucking pissed about it. And then at the end of the match, it's not a matter of like, oh, he's he's just crazy and like he went crazy. It's because of how the match went. The match had Marco like kind of get one over on Kenny and then tag out. And Kenny never really got his revenge on him through the whole rest of the fucking match. So he was pissed about it. At the end of the match, and that's why he flipped. Yeah, like well, he's also flipped because he he was yelling at uh, one of the Bucks. I can't remember which one that he tried to kill you when he was did the Canadian Destroyer. Because when he <laughs> when he's pulling when he's when they calming him down in the corner, he's like he tried to yeah. kill you, he tried to kill you. Like he was trying to justify his actions of fighting Marco at the end of the match. Because of course he's not going to be like he got away, he got away. I'm not going to fucking right. beat. His, I don't want you to know that I beat the shit out of him because he got away from me. I want right. you to think that I was helping you in some way. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't. So it's very much there. a, this is my ego thing, but I'm not going to say it's my ego yeah. thing. Yeah. And I thought that was so fucking, it's such a good way to turn him because if you look at his BTE interviews and like you look like not the recent ones, but you remember the, um, the one where he was talking about Dominic Dickhead yeah. and all that other stuff sitting up yeah. in what fucking reality <laughs> that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's the character I want to see. I like see. that one mixed with the one where he was, shitting on moxley when he came in he was talking shit about his new japan run or whatever yeah yeah talking about how he didn't get as far in the tournament and all that other stuff yeah yeah Yeah, like i got in the tournament i won it (laughs) i won it yeah right i love that so yeah he's building him as a a character who is ultimately driven by ego and that's why he that's why he wants to have the best matches instead of you know going in there to win like most people do um I think it makes sense. I, I like the direction they're taking the story. And the thing that people seem to miss isn't just, oh, yeah, he beat up Marco after the match. It's when he fucking got, like, when he got that switch flipped, he fucking beat all three of the Jurassic Express by himself. The whole end of that match did not include the Bucks. It was literally Kenny fucking throwing V-triggers at all three of them, knocked out the other two, and then he fucking one-winged Angel Marco. The Bucks were not involved in the finish at all. So it's really showing, like, once Kenny turns his shit on, he is extre- he's still extremely dominant, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think people are missing that. Um, I, I thought it was a very well-told story. I can't stand listening to Jim Cornette, bitch. Um, he, he's just so fucking irritating. And he was bitching about, like... The setup of the Canadian Destroyer, like the Triple Destroyer. And like, okay, yeah, it's contrived, but so is every fucking Tower of Doom spot in the WWE, and you don't bitch about that. Yeah. And at least this one kind of made sense, because that was like a, that was a position where it was feasible, like, it, it was essentially only one guy holding up one guy, and then using another guy as a ramp. So it wasn't like a crazy contrived yeah, thing. Yeah, and it wasn't like there was five people holding on to each other waiting for somebody yeah. to jump on top of them. Where else was that guy on the top was supposed to go? He was being held up. Right. So what else is he supposed to do? And then what other move is Marco supposed to do? Because the way he was thrown up there, like, okay, I, even if it was a mess up throw, okay, I went too far, I over-rotated, what else am I supposed to do? You'd fucking give him a destroyer. What the fuck else do you want him to do? Like, I think he's supposed to go up there and clothesline him. That's fucking stupid. I mean, there's a couple other moves that would have worked, like Tornado DDT would, from that height would have been cool. Um, he could even really do like a 
like a reverse Frankenstein or something. I think, I don't I think know. if it wasn't for Phoenix the week before doing the fucking sick Canadian Destroyer yeah. over the top, then I don't think this one would have got as much hate on it for some reason. But I saw one person fucking tweet out, oh, the Destroyer is just as common as a clothesline. I'm like, oh, goddamn. Uh, fucking exaggerate much? You get fucking three clotheslines a match, bro. We've gotten three Canadian Destroyers out of four two-hour shows in the last two weeks. You had, yeah. You had Adam Coles, you had uh, Phoenix, and then you had Marco Stunt. It might be as common as a clothesline in... Um, in AEW, because they have better moves to do than fucking clotheslines. But it's not as common as a clothesline in wrestling in general. You got if you count the Rainmaker as a clothesline, that's eight clotheslines for every Okada match. What are you talking about? There's a somebody told me the difference once. Um between the Lariat and the clothesline. And it's it's like the clothesline it's not even a clothesline. So most most of the time when people are talking about clotheslines, they're really referring to a Lariat because a clothesline is the guy running into your stationary arm while you're standing still. That's a clothesline. And then the Larry is the one where you're moving forward. That's supposed to be the difference. So really, they're not even fucking clotheslines, what this dude's talking about, but whatever. You don't see a lot of clotheslines anymore. But anyway, um, I I liked Fight for the Fall, and I thought it was a good show. Um, I think that the big problem with some of the... Some of the direction that they're going, though, is that, like, they're they're building to stuff that could be pay-per-view stuff, but they've got another, what, like, month and a half before their real pay-per-view? When's the next one? Are you muted? Sorry, I had to go get a lizard out of the house. Okay. crawling across the floor. It was so weird. So I ran over there trying to, hoping you weren't done talking. But, uh, yeah, I let out the door, and he ran out there like he was a dog. It was weird. All right, anyway. No, you didn't miss much. Um, no, no, I, I was listening to you. It was loud enough. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so not to turn it into a whole Kenny Omega podcast or anything, but uh, how how long do you think this uh, slow burn takes? Because, of course, to get to Moxley, you still have to go through the whole page storyline first. Yeah. So is Moxley? Hold, I mean, the Moxley going to hold this title that long? I mean, that'd be kind of cool, but it's weird at the Moxley's, same time. The next he, program that makes sense for Moxley is MJF. Yes, I agree. But then you got the MJ, and then then we can go MJF and Wardlow can finally split because maybe they can yes. have a. You can protect MJF from losing to Moxley too with like a miscommunication with Wardlow, or Wardlow wasn't there uh, right. to save his ass. Or, or Wardlow gets like pissed and leaves, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, something like that. MJF is screaming at him at the ramp, and then he turns around and gets fucking paradigm shift. So, um, yeah, I, I and then think of course they do that Archer for... after that, right? Or yeah, because Archer's up there too. Yeah, Archer. You could do an Archer program because Archer is obviously going to want some revenge. For I don't know if they're going to make a, a reference to it, but Archer is who Moxley beat for the U.S. title in New Japan, which he still currently has. Which for some reason people forget. Um, maybe because he can't actually go over there and defend you know, it, but it's a U.S. With everybody having two titles, I don't see why he don't come out with his shit. There's f- fuck it. I got two, two motherfuckers in two yeah. different continents. Yeah, he could. Um, the, the funny thing about the two title thing too is I keep I keep seeing people talk about, oh yeah, Evil to he's a he's a double champion. No, the fuck he's not. He's a triple champion. I better put some respect on that man's name. 
I hope he comes out there with that triple, the the trios tag that he's got. Yeah, he, should be crazy. Hold, he should hold it hostage until New Japan strips it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm not wrestling with them. Well, he could, and then he could still do the whole thing where he, even though they stripped him, he could still say that he's three times champion because he never lost it. Kind of like Axel never got eliminated from the Royal Rumble title. So like, fuck it, bitch. <laughs> you can try to take it away, but I'm still three time champ. Um, yeah, they might also. Um, uh, what I was saying is that there's there's a okay. The the storyline that I think would make the most sense in normal contexts would be he gets forced to have the match and defend it, but then during the match, obviously he's not getting along with Bushi and Sonata anymore. So why the fuck would he actually try in the match? He's not gonna. When they go to tag him in, he just moves his hand, whatever. Like, and they end up losing the match because it's essentially three on two. But the problem with that, from the the New Japan booking point of view, is that they take titles way more seriously, and booking evil in a way where he cares more about being a dick than he does about being a champion, isn't something they typically do, except with Gaijin. It's not really a way that they tend to book Japanese people. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know why it is. It's just how it is. So more likely he he just like relinquishes it because he doesn't want to work with them, or he just like, or maybe um they have like Harold the the New Japan president president come out and be like, um because of your actions you can't be trusted with um this team and blah 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 and for everybody's safety we're just gonna distribute like some shit like that where he's not really giving it up giving it up you know yeah they could just replace him with Horomu or uh Naito as well to be the third person. Freebird right. type so deal. They just, yeah. So they just take the belt from, from him, him and, and give it to somebody else. Else. Like yeah. Or you could just just remember, everybody out there, uh, technically he hasn't had any uh, quarrels with fucking Sonata or Bushi yet since he turned. Not yet. No. Well, I don't think Bushi would be thrilled with Dick Togo coming out dressed as him. Yeah, same. But, but, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Like, don't be shocked if, like, what, what happens if they do. A uh, thing where you think it's all going to go to shit, but they end up winning and retaining the fucking titles. And then LIJ really is gone soon, and they turn on fucking Naito. I don't think – see, I don't think they do that. LIJ is too – I don't know. I feel like it's time for a new stable and a new name and shit for New Japan. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the problem right now is that without you know a third of their workers being able to get over, they're having to do some weird stuff like – Evil is essentially the de facto leader of Bullet Club right now. Correct. Well, he well, he would have to be. He's got both titles. Whoever has both titles. But he is going literally to be the just leader. got there. Yeah. Which is weird. So, like, even when Kenny defected, like he was still an underling for a while. Jay White, when he came over, there was no real leadership structure because it had kind of been voided. But essentially, everybody was kind of looking at Tamatanga and Fale as the leaders. Do we think at that? that do we think there's a chance that Jay White goes back to uh, was he in chaos? Yeah, but he was only in chaos. He even said from the start, like, I'm only I'm only in chaos to get closer to Okada. So, like, it, I mean, he wasn't very <laughs> slick about it. Yeah. Like, he was straight up the whole time. Um, and also, if they're going to keep him paired with Gato, Gato doesn't leave Bullet Club. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with, with Jay White. They they might have him come back and do some kind of, like, internal power struggle angle with Evil if Evil still got the belts. Who knows? Yeah, the thing that we uh, thought he was going to do with Kensa. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, yeah, speaking of Kenta, what the hell is he up to? Mm. Hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, how they play all that out will be interesting, and, and how they end up divvying up these belts when they do eventually get divided is, is also going to be interesting. But 
Um, I think what they probably do is they have a tournament for the IC title. Uh, whoever wins the tournament gets a chance, but just at that title. And they probably do it that way. All right. That uh, makes sense to me. Uh, NXT, did you watch it? Uh, yes, I did, actually. Um, I watched it the day after. And I'll be honest with you, I when I was watching it, I wasn't... I wasn't watching, watching it. Not in the same way that I was. Um, not in the same way that I was Fight for the Fallen. But yeah, I saw it. I I don't know why they're doing a... Look, I, I like the Dijakovic. Well, they um, already did it. They're not doing it again. They did it already. Yeah. But I don't understand why... One, why I was supposed to think that he had any legitimate shot of beating Keith Lee the fucking week after he won the titles, right? Number right. two, it, it's the same concept as the evil thing, even though evil did win them. I didn't think evil was going to win them. No one did. But you're not pulling that fucking shocker on free TV, you know what I'm saying? So, right. Dijakovic fucking has no shot. The only time the only time I would have thought he did have a shot is if it was only for the North American title. Right. If it was only for the NXT title or for both titles, there's no way he's winning that fucking title. But if it was only the North American Championship on the line, if Keith Lee said, I'll give you one more shot at the North American Championship, because I know you think you had me beat or whatever, then I would have been like, okay, Dominic's probably winning this, or at least has a legit chance, enough of a chance for me to be interested more than I was, because we already know how I feel about the matches. I like the matches, but I'm tired of fucking seeing the match. Yeah, I... This was no different. And it was a it's shorter not, match. It's not surprising, I guess. Do, do we really need to have him even have a have a match? Literally, was that match only put in there to try to steal ratings from AEW? Because that's what, well, what I feel was, like it was. What was going on during the same segment? Because it wasn't even the main yeah, event. It wasn't the main event, no. It definitely wasn't the main event. Which is fucking amazing to me. You've got a double champion with your two highest belts in the entire... Depart like in the entire brand, no. and you put them on like what third to last? Yes, but in their defense, the other match actually had a fucking story to it, and it was for a title as well. You're talking about Shirai? Yeah, yeah, and that was actually a really good match. Yeah, no shit. That was a that was a great match. Um, but I mean, it I was get better that. Better than but... Keith Lee and Well, why are you putting the fucking Thatcher versus whoever the oh, fuck they that got? That was just those? a buffer match. You know, people do that all the time. You're not putting that shit. Well, I mean, I don't understand why when you don't have a crowd, but mm. usually that's a buffer match to calm the crowd back down, basically. Right. We, yeah. But there's no we crowd, have, yeah. I would never do that when I'm trying to win TV ratings and there's no live and crowd, no crowd to yeah. buffer. To, to like, tired, it makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Fucking intermission matches for people that don't exist. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it's like you're begging them to change the channel. It, for real. So, yeah, I, I didn't even – I watched – a little bit of that match. I watched um, sort of the am they were doing the the amateur wrestling spots for a little bit, like that stood out. But other than that, I didn't really. I barely even fucking looked at it. Honestly, it was going on in the background. I was doing some other shit with stocks. Like it was just, it was not grabbing my attention. I had it up in dual windows or whatever, but I. I mean, we can all agree that Cross is the one taking this title off of Lee, right? At least one of them, yeah. Yeah, because there's like nothing else going on. They're not. Yeah, they're not building him up, like having him smash the people that he's been beating. I mean, if without... you look, if you paid attention to the beginning video package of the Keith Lee win, and then like all the heels saying that they were coming for him or whatever, like okay, so the way I'm seeing it is I get to see Lee versus fucking Damian Priest for the tenth time as well. 
next because he was the one paying attention to who was going to win that match after he beat Cameron Grimes, which was a decent match, by the way, but it could have been better. Um, I think the commercial break really killed that fucking match. Um, anyway, but uh, so now I got to see Damian Priest again because he won, go against Keith Lee on a match I've seen uh, more than three times already. And then Keith Lee's going to win that, and then you're right back to the drawing board with Damian Priest because you don't know what the fuck you're going to do with him. And then after that, what do you have for Keith Lee? Another Gargano fucking match? I don't want to see that again. Mm. Like, how long can Keith Lee really hold this title? Because you're you're going to have him go through these fucking opponents like it's nothing. And then, really, you have cross or bust. And then when Lee does lose it, what the fuck do you do with Lee? Yeah. Especially if he, lo- I mean, if he doesn't lose the North American title first, that's fine. But there's no way you're about to do double champion, double champion, not in WWE. So he's, lo- he's either losing one before or he's going to just lose the NXT or, like you said, just the North American to cross and then lose the other after. See, I think if he loses one to cross, I think it's going to be the NXT championship, not the North American championship. Because all the rumors ever since uh, Cross signed was he's on the fast track to the main roster. And fast track to the main roster isn't North American title. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then NXT, like you said, the Shirai-Tegan Knox match was great. Um, Raw sucked. Um, SmackDown had one good match. Actually made my top five. That was Riddle versus Styles for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, and then Slammiversary, which we both watched. Um... They hyped it up with all these who can be coming here because of Slammiversary. And uh, I won't say I was let down. I wouldn't have paid $40 for it. Yeah. Like I did because I did pay $40 for it. Um, but I would have felt a lot better about my purchase if I only paid $25, $30 for it. I would have felt a lot better. Like yeah, that was, It was like a $25, $30 pay-per-view, but not a 40 And uh, I mean I'm glad that I could – help him i guess i mean i don't want him to go away or anything and with nwa possibly not coming back we don't know yet i've been hearing multiple things from both sides corgan saying no but other people are saying that he's been thinking about it ever since logano uh stepped down from the speaking out movement but uh if nwa indeed is gone and honestly if i had to pick one way or the other i would say that it's closer to being gone than coming back because ricky starks went to aew um and there's rumors about uh, Thunder Rosa coming in to challenge Sheeta on AEW because Sheeta o- issued an open challenge on AEW for her title, um, kind of Cody style. But anyway, um, Slammiversary didn't really—I wouldn't say it disappointed overall with the with the signings. The Motor City Machine Guns was fucking amazing. My yeah. favorite—that was my favorite moment of the night. Um, I like I like Heath Slater coming out. I didn't like. Him getting interrupted, to, I don't know, Heath, whatever. Heath was, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I liked that I saw Heath. That was cool. I don't, for all the people that always bitch about AEW calling calling back to WWE stuff and, oh, just make your own identity, Impact sure the fuck does it a lot too, don't they? That man was literally wearing the same shirt that he was just wearing on Raw the other night. Well, it's, it's his shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, but yeah. But then, uh, yeah. But then you have the fact that the guy mentioned his loss to Drew McIntyre. Andy, the backstage stuff with Rhino, where they were really only a tag team in WWE. In WWE SmackDown, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. And they're champions. Yeah, they do this shit all the time in there. Oh, and I, I don't hate him. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't hate him as a person, and I I wanted him to win tough enough when he was on it. But I cannot stand Josh Matthews on fucking commentary. He is a yeah. poor man's Michael Cole, and I thought I would never live long enough to say that somebody was a poor man's Michael Cole, but he is. Brutal. Yeah. And then the puns well, he Michael was reaching Cole's for. good when he's by himself, but yeah. When the, the puns he was reaching for, you there's people out there that hate Almaro Nalo and his all his massive puns that he constantly uses, but goddamn. Joey Matthew was fucking reaching for these puns, bro. Like, congratulations, you got Madison Rain as your wife. I don't know how you did it, but congratulations. You almost won Tough Enough. You had a WWE career. You had an announcer career there. And you actually used to be decent on commentary, but I don't know if it's because he took over play-by-play or what, but I do not like him. I didn't. Well, I didn't like him at Slammiversary. I'll put it that way. Mm. Uh, it was brutal. I couldn't stand it. It was. I'd rather listen to Kevin Kelly on New Japan, and that's saying something, too. Um, no, I'm not saying he's terrible or anything, but he's not one of my favorites for sure. Um, slam anniversary. So I was very shocked that Jordan Grace lost the title so fast to Deanna Perrazzo. Um, uh, yeah, I like it though because it doesn't, it doesn't really hurt Jordan Grace as much because you can still put her in against anybody and, and she's still going to be like a dominant person, but you have to build up Deanna if if you want more than just one like top person in that division right now and basically the way they did that now they've got two like it doesn't hurt Jordan Jordan Grace's stock at all so you don't think Ty is still a top person in the division no i'm not saying that that's the only ones i'm just saying that like if you're going to put Diana in that same category you can't have her just go in and lose you know what i mean i don't know they did the same thing with Cage and Moxley Diana well, got a couple wins and then she got the title match and she lost or yeah. she would have lost, or that's what Cage did anyway. Cage came in, got a couple wins, and then lost to Moxley. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, think, I don't I, like the Jordan Cage Grace... version. I think this version is fine. Uh, and I get what you're saying, but it's the thing is, Deanna's not supposed to be like a a monster heel, so she wouldn't maintain credibility just based on her look after the fact, whereas Cage does. Yeah, I don't think Deanna Peraza should have been able to come in and defeat Jordan Grace, who ended a 377-day reign of Taya Valkyrie. Look, it's not Carmella over fucking Asuka. So... No, 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 for sure not. I mean, I don't have a, I mean, I don't have a problem with Deanna Perazzo as a wrestler. I just didn't think that this was the time for her to win a fucking title over Jordan Grace when she was just got out of WWE and didn't do anything there. So is this just a Matt Hardy impact thing where, hey, we're just going to show you what you missed or something? Because Yeah, I mean, it could be, or it could just be like, look, like we'd... I think the whole thing that I mean, they might do with match. Hers, I'll give it a good match. Like... I just didn't like the finish. I didn't like that she went over. They could just be like, look, like, because they do like to call back to other shit. So if it comes up, she can always just be like, look, like, you know, the only reason I wasn't dominant over there is because they never put me in a position where I was getting opportunities to be because they were too scared that I was better than everybody over there. However the fuck they want to spin it, you know, yeah. they don't have to spend that much time on it. So I don't think just recently coming over from WWE where she wasn't doing great really hurts her as much. Um, they can they could call to it. But honestly, I think she'll be fine. Um and I like her as a wrestler, too. Like, I think her gimmick works. I think her shitty little attitude when she's wrestling kind of works. Um, <clears throat> I The little pompous kind of I'm better than everybody deal she does. Um, no, I, I think that uh, I think this was the right call because it doesn't hurt Jordan Grace enough to where she's like out of the the top tier. Whereas they if you're going to bring somebody in like Diana and you want them to be big like I'd say just put them over to begin with because she doesn't have any credibility from her obviously from her past or from her look so 
the comparison with Cage kind of falls flat because Cage has been dominant in other um, companies, including TNA, and he's also he's so fucking imposing physically that there's no chance that you're going to put him in a match and not think that he has a chance. Whereas Diana doesn't have those same things going for her, so she has to get the win to, to main, like maintain any sort of credibility. To me, uh, I just feel like the the move to put the title on her already was forced almost to the point where, oh, we lost Tessa, we need to put somebody in that spot. Let's go ahead and give her the strap. Because I don't think Jordan Grace did anything wrong to deserve to lose the title, nor do I think that she had a long enough run with the title because of the COVID stuff, so it was hard for her to get occurrences and shit like that. I mean, uh, defenses, I mean. (laughs) The other thing that that crossed my mind with Jordan Grace is Jordan Grace has wrestled men before. Yeah. Like, pretty frequently. They just had... Tessa get let go. They just had this fucking Impact World title match where there were no women involved. So what they could be doing is setting up like a Jordan Grace kind of push for the world title. And to do that, you got to get the other title off of her. Oh, and no, now she can I feel like, like, I feel like, like that would actually hurt Jordan Grace in the long run because then it's kind of like, oh, you're only doing it because you lost Tessa and everybody can kind of see through that shit. I think they should have fucking put it on Jordan to do that to begin with, not Tessa. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely got a better look for it. Like, she looks like if it came down to just like a fucking straight up grappling match, she could probably, you know. Yeah, well, she went fucking head to head with Cage in the fucking Casino Battle Royale at fucking AEW <laughs> and All In or whatever it was. Yeah, so yeah, she's a fucking beast. Um, and oh, in the uh, world title match, this, that was where I was getting disappointed. The world title match, man. So, did you, those are your fucking. surprise not doing it for you? No. And I don't mind Eric Young, and I get that he's a former Impact champion, but come on, that was a paper run at best, and that's what you came out with. Like, no James Storm, no Mr. Anderson, Bully Ray, yeah. you know, I mean, there's plenty of fucking names that you could have came out there with. Bully Ray might not be in shape right now. I don't know what the hell's going on, why they picked Eric Young, unless unless that... And a lot of people say, oh, they can't afford all those guys. Yeah, dude, they're ran by Anthem. Yes, they can. They got way more money than they're leading you on to believe, I assure you. Well, not only that, but their major parent company, Sinclair, is, you know, yeah, massive. It's a fucking conglomerate. They own, like, basically every local news channel you've ever heard of, so... Yeah, 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 I don't um, want to hear that bullshit. So, you get you got Heath, you got brought back Motor City Machine Guns, which, like I said, was my favorite... Oh, by the way, uh, congratulations to uh, Chris Bay for winning the X Division title. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, then you brought back EY, and then of course after the match, we'll talk about it later in uh, Big Deal or Not. But uh, the Good Brothers come out after right. the match, after the another wrong call in my opinion was made to have Eddie Edwards win the title over Ace Austin, and I'll explain that in a minute. And then you have uh, the quick. EC3 vignette at the end to go off, which is mind-boggling that you didn't have him show up, but whatever. I don't understand that, unless he just couldn't get over there. I mean, yeah, I feel like the play there was to put him in the title match instead of Eric Young, and then... But Eric Young is Canadian, so that makes sense that he would have been in Canada, and and, uh, EC3 wouldn't have been, and maybe he couldn't get over there. We can't get over there. Not, I mean, you can for work, um, but you know what's weird about this, and it, it doesn't make any sense. But the way that the U.S.-Canada border restriction works right now, 
you cannot drive into Canada and you cannot fly into Canada from the U.S. without an exception reason, which are, is a very limited list. From Canada to the U.S., though, you can't drive through um, for any reason that's not on the very limited exception list. But you can fly from Canada into the U.S. with no restrictions whatsoever on reason except for, like, the normal ones. So you can still come over on fucking tourist visas and all that as long as you're flying into the country from Canada. I don't know why. doesn't make any fucking sense to me. But that is the case. I have confirmed that with multiple different like resources and actually emailed CB, uh, CB, well, CBP, all kinds of other stuff because y'all know Chelsea lives in Toronto. Um, well, maybe y'all don't know that, but now you do. Uh, <laughs> so we've already been having to deal with all that shit. So, yeah, it's crazy because if they had had the show in the U.S., then all the Canadian people could have come down. But having it in Canada means that it's much harder for people in the U.S. to get over without, like, valid work visas and stuff like that. So, But, yeah, so I'm going to explain to you why I think it was the wrong call to not put the title on Ace Austin instead of Eddie Edwards. One, Eddie Edwards is boring. Mm. Eddie Edwards is not a good talker. You could tell that from the video vignette that was pre-shot. He couldn't even – he can't talk. Uh, I like his work with the Wolves, but that obviously you're hidden in a lot of stuff when you're in a tag team. You don't have to talk as much and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already been a former Impact champion. Ace Austin, who they are promoting as the next AJ Styles, who's only 22 years old and do- doing crazy shit, has a good gimmick, was in a position where everybody, uh, well, not everybody, but a huge influx of fans are coming to watch this fucking show because of how you built up the fact that, hey, who are we getting to come over, right? So you already have... People like me and you who don't usually watch Impact or go out of our way to watch their pay-per-views for sure. And we're not the only ones. There was a shit ton of people that don't usually watch Impact watching last night to see who they would get. You have all those extra eyes, and you failed to capitalize on the fact that you could have made a new star. A young new star that people could have watched, and you could have let him do some crazy shit in that match because there were so many people that he could have gone against. And win the title, even though he's a heel... And people would have been like, damn, who's this guy? I need to watch this uh, show more. Did anyone feel that when they watch Eddie Edwards, who looks like a fucking knockoff Austin Tommy Dreamer fucking test tube baby? I'm watching that. Like, I, If I go in there, I've never fucking seen Impact, but I'm really interested to see where all these – who, who they would get from the April releases from WWE because they've been hyping it up. They've been showing everybody's pictures. They've been putting it in their own fucking videos of these people, people that they didn't even fucking sign. They had yeah. Rusev in their videos, fucking Bully Ray in their videos, all these people. So I tune in to see who you get. You have a young guy that you can fucking build a company around in the main event, and you gave it to Eddie Edwards, and I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to believe when I see Eddie Edwards wins, win that – I need to tune in on their next show? No. Come on, man. No. Yeah, I don't like it either. Um, Hopefully they're doing it to, I don't know, build him up so somebody else can beat him. That was just a really good way to get new fans, and you completely blew it. Like, if Ace also would have won that, I would have been a lot more interested to watch the next show. Especially if you would have let him do what we all know he's capable of doing in the ring in that match. I mean, he did good in the match, but he's also capable of doing a lot more stuff. You, you don't, you don't, you don't hype him up as possibly the next coming of AJ Styles. 
And it's it's a loose comparison. It's not, it's not like TNA is pushing that, right? It's kind of like how a lot of people think Angel Garza is on the path of, like, possibly he could get to an Eddie Guerrero. That's the yeah. same thing. But no one's saying that he is AJ Styles or that he will be AJ Styles. But you can see that in him in his young career, just like you did in AJ Styles when he was young. So they have that same kind of parallel thing going right now. That's not saying that they're always going to be like that. But when you're touting that and then you don't come through when all those eyes are watching it or you don't give him the platform to look like that young AJ Styles, that's a big fail in my opinion. Yeah, they they could definitely be doing more with that. I don't um... – I almost feel like they gave Eddie Edwards the fucking championship win just so they could bring out Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, I feel like that too. Um, but it's – Here, we're going to give you the title tonight so we can debut this tag team. Really? That's how yeah, you win the Impact Yeah, it's because unless they're going – unless they're pushing fucking Carl as a singles wrestler again, I don't get – I don't know. I don't think they're pushing my single wrestler because the motherfuckers do the magic killer. The only thing I'm interested in on Impact is the North gets to fight Motor City Machine Guns for the titles. And I really want Motor City Machine Guns to win, so I'll probably be tuning in uh, to that. Um, We're going to take our break of the show. When we get back, WWE Extreme Rules Horror Show Predictions. There's seven matches, and then uh, Stiff Shots will be quick. Big Deal or Not will be quick. And uh, I even have a dumb tweet of the week and top five matches of the week. We'll we'll try to get through it quick because, you know, these random thoughts are starting to get pretty long. But that's, I mean, that's a good thing too, though. Uh, I always get nervous that we're going to forget something. Because that used to happen all the time. I used to be like, damn, I should have said that. I forgot all about that. (laughs) But but anyway, uh, yeah, right after this break, WWE Extreme Rules, the horror show predictions. And God, I really hope it's not a horror show, but I think it is going to be. I think they called that one. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the MonsterCast. It is time for WWE Extreme Rules, the horror show predictions. Um, let's just go right through it and see what happens. Here we go. Yeah. New, New, <laughs> New Day versus Cesaro and Nakamura for the SmackDown Tag Team titles in a tables match. The tables match gives them the out. Yeah, I agree. Um where, you know, they can win without making anybody look too bad. But I I don't see them taking it off of New Day right now. Um, the only way I could see that happening is, like, Kofi goes to go fucking splash somebody through a table and they move or something. I don't know. But I think it'll probably end with, like, a big ending on Cesaro through a table or something. All right, so Ryan's going New Day. I'm going Cesaro and Nakamura. I, I mean, I'm this is really just me hoping that they split up Cesaro and Nakamura so they can both go do single shit again. Because, like, it, I I just I need them to do single shit again. Um, next up, for the U.S. title, Apollo Crews versus MVP. I've got Apollo Crews. Yeah, I can't see them giving MVP the title. He wrestles, but he's not... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say Cruz here. I, I don't understand the point of this match. Like, I get it, but I don't. You know. 
Well, the point of it is MVP needs MVP's trying to show him that he controls Apollo Cruz's U.S. title run, like he can take it away anytime, and that he should be aligned with MVP because he can help him keep the U.S. title. So, yeah, I just, yeah, it's a weird way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Cruz wins. So, I mean, here's the thing too: you have to keep MVP's credibility up as he continues to manage Lashley. So he has to come off as like a credible, like help to people's careers. Mm-hmm. So maybe. They have Lashley come interfere, and MVP wins, and then MVP can use that as an argument to Cruz. But like, look, like it's good to be on my fucking team. You win. This is how we win. Like, now, do you want to fucking join or not? They could do it that way too. Um, it's so weird to me to have these like, you don't, you never really see black guys in WWE have just be like part of a stable with other white guys. It's always like. Primetime players were together, and then fucking, uh, like, you've got the New Day, and now you've got this thing that MVP's doing. you got Nation of Domination. It's just, can you think of, like, a stable that just had, like, a random one or two black guys in it? No, but Nation of Domination did eventually have Owen Hart in it. <laughs> yeah. They did! I know. Okay. I understand. Okay. It happened. Yes, but all the black guys were still together. You know what I mean? It's just... Yeah, I it's guess. Weird. Um... It's, I, it's it's not as how about as, well it wasn't really a stable but you had uh ziggler biggie and aj lee all in a thing together one time yeah but that's still just two guys i don't know you know what i mean though it's just strange um it's like if they threw naomi in to fucking manage or be the female member of new day like yeah, everybody even, like oh even, yeah that's cool but even then it's that like, even, the, even team bad it? was three people of color with yeah. naomi sasha and tamina yeah yeah I don't know. It, it's very strange Alicia Fox was with the Bellas when they did it all. Everybody split up into three groups or three uh, people for the Women's Evolution. Yeah, yeah but that just felt like it was because she was left over. Yep, I agree. But yeah, I mean, it's it is weird. I, I've noticed it lately, just looking at some of this old stuff, and I'm just like, hmm. Even it's tag, not as even tag teams are like that. You had Crime Time, you had Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson, you had uh, Harlem Heat, you know, shit like that. I mean, Harlem Heat, they're real brothers, but still. Yeah, and then the whole thing with Titus O'Neil, um, like everything he's been in has pretty much been like that. It's, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. Um, next up, we have Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio in an eye for an eye match. That's just so fucking stupid. <laughs> is this supposed to be cinematic? I don't know, but I heard that the eye is supposed to be CGI, so I would assume that it's cinematic, but I don't know. Oh, they're sure. really going to do the eye thing? I guess. Fuck's sake. That's what I've been reading. I don't Fuck's know because the show hasn't so happened. Stupid. Did they get the fucking like team from Sunday? See no evil on this bitch. Like, ugh. I don't. Well, somebody's I don't not gonna be able to see any evil after this match is over. I don't want to <laughs> even make a prediction on this stupid shit. This is so dumb. And for this to come, like, four or five months after Vince McMahon was just bitching about AEW in a conference, like in an earnings call, talking about, oh, well, they're just all blood and guts. Blood and guts, too violent. Like, what? Bro, this is so... Not only is this... Okay. A, this is wrestling. This is not fucking UFC with, like, UFC 2 rules. Um, (laughs) I'm going going, uh, Seth Rollins, just so you know. I, I think that it's easier to go with Seth Rollins because it's way more convenient to put a patch over 
part of a mask than it is to wear an eye patch 24-7, as we saw with Moxley's eye thing. Not in WWE, though, because they did that with Rey Mysterio's mask this last time, and uh, for some reason... These motherfuckers had the lights behind the camera in his mask and his his patch of his eye that was supposed to be so severely hurt. You can clearly see it working behind it because of the light shining through it, and it's like a mesh patch instead of a fucking real patch. Well, that'll be a mesh patch so you can see. It was fucking hilarious, dude. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, you're we're supposed to act we're supposed to act like we don't see his eye fucking blinking and working and moving around perfectly fine in the back. It was so dumb. But yeah, I agree because I mean if. You do it with Seth Rollins, he has to wear a patch the rest of his life in WWE, and he's like Snake Plissken. So I don't know what the fuck's going to happen Well, with that. you know, they could always have like a a very short surgery skit, and then he comes back with wearing one contact in his eye. And so he's just always got a different colored eye. And then Kevin Owens can hit him with a bedpan over his head since he's the fucking new Austin for some reason. Apparently. Um, yeah, uh, I think Seth Rollins with an eye patch looks cool. Yeah, I think it's not practical in any way. I think that... I think, his heel, I think his heel gimmick and the way he laughs as a heel and shit goes perfect with an eye patch. Yeah, I know. Like an 80, cool straight out of 80s movie. Fucking fur neck coat, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, he looks cool as shit with an eye patch. But like walked out of Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I think that uh, just for... Completely just for practical logistic reasons, like, it doesn't make any sense to yeah. have him wear an eye patch forever. So it's got to. You know how many people are going to try to follow him around to catch him with not with the eye patch not on? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why they picked Ray too. They're like, man, we know there's only like three pictures of you on the internet where you're not wearing fucking masks that aren't from your WCW no mask run. So we, we, you're pretty good at keeping shit on lockdown in public. How do you feel about not seeing out of one eye for a while? Like what the fuck, man? Yeah, ridiculous. The, the funniest think, thing is, will be the first time that he leaves and goes to another promotion, and then he's just got both eyes again. Yeah, I think he'd be like, "Oh, I can finally see again." That'll be his shows, first his first line up, in his fucking new promo. Yeah, shows up in fucking CMLL or AAA. It's totally fine. Got that Mexican surgery. It's way cheaper than the United States. Well, Seth, Rollins, um, Seth Rollins is the Messiah. Maybe he can just heal himself. Like put his hand over his yeah. eye. Oh, that'd be a good storyline. And then he's convinced that he's got real powers. Um, the uh, the other thing they could do, like I was saying, they could have Seth Rollins lose, but then have like a whole fucking like medical team storyline where he wears the patch for a little while, and then after it gets fixed or whatever, he takes it off. But like he's always wearing a colored contact, and he just it does depends, that. Depends on how how hardcore they want to go with the eye for an eye. The CGI thing is the eye all coming all the way out, or is it going to be like a Vader thing, or what? Because if it's like a Vader thing, then clearly that can be fixed. But I don't know which one is worse. I don't want to think about it just dangling. See, I have a thing about eyes, man. Eye shit in general is like the one thing I I can look at fucking. Well, that's going to sound weird, but, like, you know, hunting and stuff, you get used to, like, just cutting stuff up and, like, seeing guts and disemboweling and cleaning and field dressing and whatever, like, cutting meat off bones, like, all that stuff. So none of that stuff bothers me. Like, I can I can see, like, an arm get cut through or whatever, and it's not that – like, it looks painful, obviously, and I'm like, fuck, I'm glad that's not me. But it doesn't make me queasy. But anything to do with the eyes, man, it just freaks me. The, like, is ugh, it makes me nauseous, like, instantly. So I don't I don't know how the fuck I feel about even watching this to be honest. Even but if it's we'll CGI, see. like like the any given Sunday part, you didn't like that part when his eye was on the field. They put it in the baggie, put it in a ziploc. I don't I don't think I ever watched it. You never seen any given Sunday with Jamie Foxx? Hmm. Football movie? Hello, Cool J. Okay. Anyway, okay. moving on. Bailey versus Nikki Cross, SmackDown Women's Title. I'm going Bailey here. 
Yeah, because they still have to do the Sasha story, and it's got to involve the belt. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, also, I don't think they see Nikki Cross as a singles champion. Uh, same. Next up, we've got Oscar versus Sasha Banks. I'm going Oscar with Sasha Banks losing because Bailey fucked up. Yep, makes sense to me. Um, they got to build that story out somehow, and I think with the timing right now, I think they're expecting to be able to run stuff again in a few months. I don't know if that's true, but that does give them time to build this Sasha Bailey thing in time to have that match at a, at a pay-per-view in like two months if they start it now. So Probably the easiest one on the list, Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE title. I've got Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I don't see any scenario where they don't do that. Um, he's... The first time that Drew McIntyre comes out as champion when they have crowds again, man, I hope he gets the pop he should have gotten on WrestleMania night because that sucks, man. You you work that fucking hard to come all the way back. Do your do your run in the indies, like, really fucking try at it. Build your way back up to the top through some stupid-ass gimmicks and stables when they first bring you back. Like, the whole shit with Shane McMahon was just so bad, and people don't remember how bad it was, but Drew McIntyre was essentially jobbing some nights. Um like he was the fall guy in that in that trio, which made no sense. But yeah, I and then to to work that hard and come back that far and change your look so much and fucking change your mic work so much and well, I think he was the fall guy because he's the he didn't he really didn't fit in that group. Like so that was like they fucked him up when he was the chosen one because they didn't do anything with him when they should have. And yeah. then when they threw him in there as a last ditch effort, he didn't really click like. Uh, like it was supposed to, like it was meant for. I mean, Mahal didn't either. I mean, he got let go too, so I guess it didn't work out for him either. But I think that's why he was the fall guy, and not Slater, because it was Slater's gimmick. So of course he was fucking. He looked like he belonged, and it worked with him, but it didn't work with the other two. Uh, okay. So did you pick Rey Mysterio over Rollins, or did you pick Rollins? I picked the uh, Rollins. Okay, I wrote down Rey Mysterio. I don't know why. I think it's because we were talking about him. All right, yeah. let me change that right quick. Okay, and then finally, I've got Braun Strowman over Swamp Bray Wyatt in a swamp fight for the Universal title, which will include probably a snake and a crocodile or alligator or some shit. Goddamn, dude. They're killing me with this shit. Cinematic match. But the thing about, you know what would be funny is if if they make some kind of callback to the bugs on the projector that they did with the Randy Orton thing. But, um... I think God, that was so stupid. I think um, I think Bray Wyatt loses just because he's still not his final form. They're doing that DBZ shit. Yep. Um, which is fine. Like, it makes sense for his character. But not, it's not fine when you go back to it, and I mean, then you go to the Fiend, and then guess what? You booked yourself into a corner again. Yeah, they gotta. They really have to get out of this somehow in a way that makes sense. Um, I don't like Braun as champion. They. Pull the trigger on this way too late. He's not, he's not hot right now. He's just, he's gonna win, but I don't want him to, man. I, I, you know, if the thing is, if they have Swamp Bray Wyatt win, and he's the champion, and then Bray Wyatt can just be Bray Wyatt when he comes out, like, not kill the fiend, but kind of put him in the same position as the demon for Balor. Like, you don't think of the demon as the default. Finn Balor, but for but right now because of how they've been doing the Fiend storyline, you do think of the Fiend as like the default Bray Wyatt, because it's the only one that can win. 
Right. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's how they've been booking it, too. Like, if he comes out as a lesser version, he's not winning. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you can't do that. So, hopefully they find some way to back out of it, but I don't think tonight's going to be the night. I'm pretty sure they give this to Braun as fucking boring and stupid as that is. Um, so, yeah, those are our WWE horror show for Extreme Rules predictions. <laughs> we only got one different. One and that's the tag team match between the New Day and Cesaro Nakamura, which uh, our past few WWE predictions only have had one uh, difference. By the way, so that's weird. Yeah, um, I mean they do tend to write stuff varied by the book. And uh, the WWE Extreme Rules horror show predictions was brought to you by Stiff Shots. Brought uh, almost said brought to you by Sleeves.com. Anyway. Not Stiff Shots. It was brought to you by Sleeves.com. Stiff Shots is next. Sleeves designs and produces custom compression gear, everything from arm and leg sleeves to the headbands, bandanas, t-shirts, and jerseys. Sleeves carries over 200 different designs from everyone to kids to adults, and now it just got even better because if you use the promo code MONSTER25, that's MONSTER25 without the vowels, M-N-S-T-R-25, you'll get 25% off your order, even on discounted items. So go to Sleeves.com, that's S-L-E-E-F-S.com, for your active wear accessories now and use our promo code MONSTER25, that's M-N-S-T-R-25, for 25% off your order and get your gear on. But since we are going to Stiff Shots anyway, we might as well go ahead and get that out. ACH is coming back to wrestling. Hopefully he has his mind right and can get back on track because uh, we all know he had the fucking mental health meltdown yeah. during the whole t-shirt escapade. And the t-shirt thing, I actually understood where he was coming from, but then it was like... I don't know what the fuck happened to him. He had an Antonio Brown moment, but hopefully he's good to go. Um, and the other stiff shot is that the Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus bar fight has been moved from Extreme Rules Horror Show to uh, next week's SmackDown instead. Did we get a word on why? Probably because they didn't have enough time or they already had too much cinematic bullshit on the show for tonight. Mm. Um... Let's do uh, my one big deal or nah. Uh, it is obviously official. Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson are Impact Wrestling bound, along with a lot of others. Um, during their Talking Shop podcast, Gallows and Anderson announced that with their 90-day no-compete clauses finished on WWE, that they had announced that they were signing with Impact and then showed up last night on the pay-per-view. Um, do you think the uh, Good Brothers signing with Impact and the other guys that they got is a big deal for Impact or nah. So like we talked, like we said earlier, or obviously storyline wise, it's going towards Heath Slater being there or whatever Heath Miller. Um, then you had uh, the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, EC3, and then Motor City Machine Guns. So that's the nucleus that I'm talking about overall for the big deal or nah. Do you think it's a big deal or nah? That impact has them. Do you think it's going to help get more eyes on their product in the I, next coming weeks? I think it. I think it will. Um, I'll uh, just speaking personally. I'll definitely be paying more attention to Impact over the next. I, I'm going to give them two or three weeks to make me feel like I should keep watching it. Um, depending on what they do with everybody there. Like I have a low tolerance for TNA and Impact in general, and that's just a bad taste in my mouth from a long time ago. I can fully admit that it's maybe not even being a fair bias at this point. Um, that's not just you. It's almost everybody that was a big fan of theirs. Hogan and Bischoff and Dixie 
ran it into the ground. And, you know, it's fucked because even objectively I know it's different people running it now. It's different people doing booking. Almost it's, an entire different roster. Yeah, yeah, but I still just – I don't know what the fuck – and I feel bad about it because I'm sure they're all doing their best, but I just cannot – I don't. I have some fucking like mental aversion to it. But with the people that they've brought in, I do want to see EC3. I definitely want to see Gallows and Anderson. Um, I, th- I don't really care about Eric Young coming back. I've never been a big Eric Young guy. Um, Motor City Machine Guns. Motor City Machine Guns would be cool. Um, and then, of course, I like the out of the people that they already had. I love RVD. I like Jordan Grace, and I like Ace Austin. So, yeah, I'm, I'll be curious to see what they do with the the Diana and Jordan stuff now too. So, yeah, um, I'll I'll definitely give it a few weeks. I'll I'll keep up with it. I probably won't watch it live or anything. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely like check the results, and then if any of them sound good, like I'll probably go back and watch it. But yeah, I've just uh, – I think it's a big deal because if even I'm considering that, then other people have to be too. So – Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they have built up for because they announced Bound for Glory in October, which is their WrestleMania. Um, and it always takes place in October. And they announced the date and stuff on Slammiversary, kind of like AEW does when they announce their next pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited too because with that being your next – pay-per-view and it's the big one and i'm very curious to see how you're going to maintain people's attention and uh make people want to pay for that after we just paid for slammiversary so i'm i'm i'm, ex- I'm excited for it and i'm hoping they do good uh but we'll see uh i also i mean like we already went over kind of with the canadian rules or something but man the them not having not having any fans when now wwe and AEW do that's that's gonna be a hard sell for the three weeks too. Um, yeah. Okay, let's get into the dumb tweet of the week, and it's from Jimmy Corderas. Oh, former, former SmackDown. Fuck. I already replied to this one. Yes, yeah, so did I. I replied before you actually. Actually, oh. I, I quote tweeted it. Actually, you want to you want to hear my quote tweet? Yeah, sure. Because I read your because I went back to find his tweet so I could copy and paste it so I could read it correctly, and uh, it was funny because your tweet was the first one under it because I follow you obviously. So I thought yeah, that was pretty it has funny. The most likes. <laughs> Does it? It's it's got a few. I don't well, know. I don't have the most because it got a sixty-eight and a seventy-two up there. But anyway, got but, twenty-one. Uh, uh, so he said, so the so-called alleged best wrestler, quote unquote, in the company is begging off from a five-two, one hundred thirty-pound kid. Good grief! He's obviously talking about Kenny Omega and Marco Stunt. And uh, I quote tweeted it three days ago. And said, how many Rey Mysterio matches did you ref? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny. That's the same thing. I, I also brought up Rey Mysterio on mine. Um, so I didn't quote tweet. I, that's probably why I didn't see yours is because you quote tweeted instead of replying. But um, I said I had three bullet points as a reply. I said, Rey Mysterio is five foot two. Second bullet point. <laughs> Entire arc of the match is Omega not taking stunt seriously, getting taken by surprise, then finishing the match by demolishing all three of Jurassic Express by himself and then resurfacing major heel tendencies. So the whole thing about, oh, him begging off the the 5-2 guy doesn't make any sense for both of those reasons. And then number three, uh, the bullet point I put was Hebner beat up all of DX, which is entirely true. If you go watch some of the Earl Hebner stuff, like the interactions that he used to have with DX, he would fucking shove them down and Triple H would like beg him off and like they would act like – 
Hebner was able to take on every fucking member of DX when DX was like playing super cowardly heel or whatever, and Hebner would have enough of their shit. He would just shove, like, literally shove them over. Do you think it makes sense for Marco Stunt to not have a little bit of like size and quickness advantage to get around some of Omega shit and get a couple moves in on him, but not Hebner? Like, Hebner is an older man not in shape and fucking shoving down triple H who's like six foot something and 200 fucking 80 pounds. No, yeah. not that much, but it, it never. And when he does the bump for Hebner, it always looked fake as shit because he's getting shoved over by a guy who literally couldn't move him. So the other thing is too, you have to wonder, okay, did Ray Mysterio ever, ever go against fucking big show? I'm pretty sure he has. Did big show sell any moves from Ray? I'm sure he did. So this whole thing is just dumb, man. You you can't bitch about Marco Stunt not being able to do anything against guys who are bigger than him, but then be okay with some of these like smaller cruiserweight guys able to get an offense on these giants before they end up getting squashed. Yeah, because that's what would have happened if this was a one-on-one match too. And it's not even it's not we're not we didn't both mention Rey Mysterio because it's a knock on Rey Mysterio because we don't have a problem with the Rey Mysterio spots just like we don't have a problem with the Marco Stunt spots. Like, right. I didn't have a problem with the fucking Zach Gowan who had one goddamn leg spots beating Big Show. Yeah. We don't have a problem or with that. Or having a competitive match against John Cena for a while. Like, yeah. before Cena ended up beating him. But, like, he got in offense and he had one fucking leg and was not a big guy either. Yeah. As If it makes sense, then it makes sense. I, years ago when... Our little sister was on the trampoline. We're fighting or whatever, dude. If if she wanted to get out of something, she can get out of it. There's there's ways to get taken by surprise and fucking somebody get out of something. You know how many fucking YouTube videos there are of the small guy beating up the big bully? Yeah. Like just because this dude is super small compared to Kenny Omega doesn't mean it's not realistic that a small guy can be, beat up a big guy. I'm so sick of hearing got? that dumb shit. Roger Huerta knocking out a fucking 300-pound football player outside of a bar one night. Like, the thing is, uh, the thing about, like, and again, you know, Marco Stunt's not a goddamn 135 UFC fighter or 155 or whatever the fuck Huerta fought out. I don't even remember. But, like, it's it's not unrealistic for a smaller, faster guy to be able to drop kick you. Like, yeah. so you, don't like dis- you don't have to disbelief. He wasn't fucking disbelief. powerbombing him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, you got people like Cornette and Corderas out there. Basically saying that I literally cannot fathom that this is happening. What? I don't know why not. The funny thing is, too, they're so concerned about, like, oh, well, you know, if this was a real fight, then he wouldn't even have a chance. Okay, that might be true. But if all of wrestling was a real fight, most of this shit would be over in 15 seconds. So seems like it, how seems is like, that your yeah, gauge? Well, seems, like, seems, like, seems like to me that it's just salty tears from Corderas, who is bigger than Marco Stunt, but it only ended up being a fucking <laughs> SmackDown referee, while Marco Stunt is way smaller than him and fucking fighting Kenny Omega and getting paid shit ton of money to do it on AEW TV. That's what it sounds like to me. It just sounds like sour grapes, salty tears, you know, all that kind of shit. Seems like charisma matters. And Marco has some, and you do not. Yeah. Um, and luxurious hair, which you do not have either. Yes. And he does. Yes. Um, all right, so Ray's top five matches of the week. I've got six. Did you do one? Did not. All right. I've got six. One honorable mention, obviously. Uh, anyway, 
Race Top 5 Matches of the Week is brought to you by Raise Energy Drinks, 300 milligrams of caffeine. You can take it as a pre-workout or whenever you need an extra boost throughout the day. Zero sugar. You can buy it from GNC, Crunch Fitness, and Planet Fitness. But if you go to repsports.com or Google Raise Energy and click on the link, you can use our promo code MONSTER and get 15% off your order. And you can also select auto shipping and get an additional 10% off your order. So go to... I was about to say sleeps.com. <laughs> so go to repsports.com. That's R-E-P-P sports.com. And use the promo code MONSTER for 15% off your order. And race all All right. So I got, uh, like I said, I've got six. We're going to go with number six. The honorable mention, Keith Lee versus Dijakovic. I gave it three stars from NXT. As much as I hate seeing the goddamn match, I cannot... Look over the fact that one, they work well together. Two, it was for both titles, and I always say that that matters. So I'm I can't go against it now. And it was a solid match, and you know the rest of the week, it wasn't like we had Great American Bash versus Fighter Fest or anything going on or New Japan too. So I mean, if New Japan had a show, probably would have gotten knocked out. Or if I would have watched the New Japan show if they had a show, then it probably wouldn't have made it. But I mean, technically it didn't make it anyway. But it's on the list because it happened on fucking Wednesday. Um, alright, so to the actual top five, and this is the match that bumped it out. Jordan Grace versus Deanna Perrazzo from Slammiversary, I gave it three and a four star. Um, besides the finish that I didn't like, it was still a really good match. Uh, it was for the, the knockouts title. It was on pay-per-view, you know. Mm. I mean, it was really good. Deanna Perrazzo put on some pounds, you get it looking thick. And Jordan Grace lost pounds. It was weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind that either, though. Yeah, like, I don't they, care either. I don't care. I'm just saying. I think I it makes them look more physically imposing or whatever. I, I don't care about that. I think, it long... made, I think it made Deanna Perrazzo look like she had a better shot at winning. Because if Deanna yeah. Perrazzo was, uh, you know, just Carmella size. Picks and they're walking out. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I'm supposed to take you seriously against Jordan Grace? Fuck no. Right. Yeah, I like that too. The other the other thing about that too is like I with the way that they mix their men's and women's division, it just makes sense to have bigger women there. Um, as long as they don't end up fucking like, and, and this is gonna sound mean and whatever, I don't give a shit. But as long as they don't end up looking like fucking Nia Jax, where it's clearly inhibiting their movement, and then they gotta wrestle a certain style, like let them fucking get as big as, as let them get as big as they want and still be realistically athletic and be able to pull off their moveset. I don't give a shit. That's how Gladiators used to do it, boy. Um, number four, from SmackDown, Intercontinental title match between AJ Styles and Matt Riddle. I gave it three and a half. Number three was Io Shirai versus Tegan Knox from NXT. I gave it three and two-thirds. Yeah, after that um, Thatcher match, and I was just barely paying attention to it, the Io Shirai one is the one that I actually started paying attention to because that was a really good match. And number two was FTR versus Lucha Bros from Fight for the Fallen, three and three-fourths. And my number one was the Elite versus Jurassic Express, Fight for the Fallen, four and a fourth star. Yeah, but, you know, just a bad match in in general. Besides that, if they would have took that tiny guy out, I would have gave it seven stars. Seven stars. Put in a normal-sized man. Damn it, Marcos. You ruin everything. Put in a normal-sized... Put in another jungle-sized boy to probably do the exact same spots. Then I would like it. Get the fuck out of here. Um, But yeah, so anyway. That was the... uh, That's the show for today. I hope you guys enjoy WWE Extreme Rules, the horror show, tonight. Um... And definitely have 
when your eyes closed. Not for the Seth Rollins Rey Mysterio thing, but you know, because it's going to be fucking scary. I'm sure because it's going to be brutal. Scary. Uh, it's going to be fucking really bad. You yeah. know what? Let's. I think it's going to be really be bad. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm, I don't think so. You had Slammiversary last night, and if you come out here with this garbage, <laughs> and it and it ends up being garbage like what we all think it's going to be. So negative. Oh, by the way, let's go ahead and end it. I got another question I was going to ask you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, if you've been on Twitter any time in the last two or three days, I'm sure you've seen it come up. Nao, hashtag Naomi deserves better. Thoughts? I so again I didn't watch SmackDown so I don't know what match they were referring to. Well, she had the karaoke thing two weeks ago, and then last week she lost the lace or this week whatever this Friday she lost to Lacey Evans in like fucking less than five minutes. What I will say about Naomi is she's she is one of their more tenured wrestlers. She is one of their more athletic and better working. I even just brought her up earlier when I was saying like oh if they were to add a, a woman to the New Day stable or whatever. I like Naomi. She's good. She has charisma. She catches on. She's gotten viral a couple times just from, like, her entrances alone. Like, I think that... I think the Usos would have a problem with her being with the New Day, but yeah, I get you. Yeah, I know. But (laughs) my my thought immediately is, and this is going to sound fucking... it, It sounds weird, but this is how I think Vince's brain works sometimes. It seems weird to me that in the current political climate, he's not taking advantage of that and putting her higher. And because that's just Especially the kind of person he is. Yeah, well, it seems like he's doing it with everybody else, though, doesn't it? Yeah, you got Keith Lee and, like, fucking a whole MVP Street and Profits. Apollo Crews program, Street Profits. Yeah, so it, I don't know what it is, but he just, you know, if you actually look at all the champions of WWE right now, I think, like, all but, like, three of them are people of color. Um, because uh, Bailey is obviously Hispanic, too, so that counts. Um, <clears throat> but it's just... It's very strange to me that you have somebody that talented, you have a political climate that is really conducive to pushing someone of color. She's one of your most physically charismatic and um, like physically differentiated in her moveset. Like she's a lot more like she's she's kind of. She's she kind of reminds me of like Jordan Grace in a way like she she's clearly strong. Like, she's got a build that looks like she's a credible fucking competitor. Um, but I think her charisma reminds me of uh, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, kind of. Like, she's very amped up, can be yeah. very amped up, but then can also get real serious in a match. Yeah, uh, she does. Co- she has colorful stuff. She has charisma. She comes out, and she does moves that not everybody else does. Yeah. I would love to see her get a real push. Um, I don't know what's... Holding the back, and my my okay. So two thoughts on that are, you could say, oh, they, she can't get a push because everybody else in the division is kind of working their stories right now. It's too crowded at the top. You've got the whole Oscar thing and Bailey, Sasha, all that storyline about to play out. You got Charlotte at the top. Um, even the NXT stuff is is pretty crowded out. So, but but then you look at they're having uh, Nikki Cross compete for that belt, which is. I don't know, man. The whole thing is weird. I don't get it. I I wish they would push her. She does remind me a lot of like a like a she physically and with her moveset and stuff. She could be like a Jordan Grace if they built her as like a power wrestler. But for some reason they don't. They only build girls that are tall as power wrestlers. She's so fucking weird. 
Because Apollo Crews, you have him out there doing a power moveset, and he's a so guy. There's only one. There's only one guy or one girl. I mean, that they've ever done that with, and that's Beth Phoenix. China. No, she was big compared to the other girls. Oh, you mean like that was smaller, and they did it with smaller, and okay. she was a power wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say Beth Phoenix is small. She's fucking. She's wide as shit. She's she she's a big girl. To other people. Eh, compared to who? She's small compared to the people that are wrestling now. She goes. She's standing like, next to Naomi. Just, she's she's small. shorter than. She's shorter than Charlotte. Yeah, but like at at the time, she was clearly like more physically strong than everybody in the division. I don't know, man. Uh, that's I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I. It's very strange to me that they don't utilize her in a completely different way because she's she's very good and she's been there forever and she knows what the fuck she's doing. I think she'd be a good ambassador for the brand. I mean, if you don't have anything for her singles wise, because you don't want to have any fucking singles, uh, women's feuds going on, but the titles, then put her in a fucking tag team with somebody else. Then you know what is weird that I've noticed with with black women wrestlers is that when they get compared to other wrestlers and i i only just noticed it because we didn't just do it but for some reason a lot of the time when we're talking about black women wrestlers we tend to compare them to other black women wrestlers or that's what i see a lot of the time and it's very like like you can only have one or like you can only have them be like one style or something which is weird because if you look at like alicia fox or like a a big swole or, you know, some of these other wrestlers who have completely disparate styles from each other. Um, it's I got, I got a, uh, I got a good, I got a good small wrestler that was a power wrestler and she was black jazz. Yeah. And, or Jacqueline. Yeah. Jacqueline was a beast too. Yeah. So it's, and she was probably the smallest one of all time. So they could, they can definitely book her as a fucking power wrestler. They just don't. And then, uh, I don't know. It's weird to me, man. I, I get that she's very athletic gymnast-wise, too, and does a lot of the, you know, we call it flippy shit, but it's not really flippy shit with her. It's just, like, very, uh, say, like, acrobatic. Yeah, it's acrobatic. That's what I was going to say, too. It's acrobatic. It's not really flips and dives and shit. But I, I really just wish they would book her as a powerhouse, and then she would stand apart so easily. I think she would stand apart real good if they let her keep doing the acrobatic shit, but then, like, that turns into, like, a fucking German suplex or a fucking bridge or something like that. Bridgeplex. Yeah, just have Alicia Fox teach her how to do that fucking Northern Lights. Alicia um, Fox Northern Lights is, I swear to God, it's the best Northern Lights of any wrestler, male or female. They, I think she deserves better. We'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon unless people keep speaking up, obviously, because of... The fact that she just lost in less than five minutes to fucking Lacey Evans, who they keep trying to push, that has zero charisma. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't I'm get a, it. Sometimes I'm a face marine mom, and sometimes I'm just a healed southern fucking bitch. Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Pick uh, one. Yeah, go pick with one, it. go with it. And uh, I I think the most mind-boggling thing out of Lacey Evans' pushes is the fact that Vince McMahon thought Charlie Haas was as entertaining as watching paint dry. But somehow he's into pushing Lacey Evans. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, all right. So that's the show. Naomi, you deserve better. And uh, I hope we Love all. You. I hope we all. Yeah. Love you, Naomi. <laughs> and then I uh, hope that we all get something better tonight. <laughs> yeah. For this fucking pay-per-view. We'll see what happens. Uh, oh, speaking of Naomi, I'm looking at. I got. I forgot. I got a Funko Papa, Naomi. 
Okay. And it glows in the dark. It's a limited chase edition. I got it. Uh, there's a regular version too. Yeah, I got it because it glue in the dark. I was like, oh yeah, that's badass. I was like, perfect person for it to glow in the dark with too. Is the word glue? Glowed? Glowed. Well, it does uh, glowed it means it doesn't glow anymore, and it still definitely does. I don't think it's glue though. Maybe glows. Glows in the dark. It glows in the dark. <laughs> glue in the dark. <laughs> anyway. All right. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, Naomi, I got your Funko Pop. Oh yeah. Because um, it glue. Because it glows, glues, and glued. Uh, but yeah, so enjoy the show if y'all are watching it tonight. Um, most of you are paying for it already, so you might as well go ahead and watch it. Um, and we will see you next week. And uh, stay tuned on YouTube because I should be getting my uh, fourth pro wrestling crate sometime this week. So, of course, that unboxing will also be posted to our YouTube channel, which will also be reposted on Twitter, which you can follow us at RealMonsterCast. Uh, so, yeah, have a great day, great week, and enjoy the show.